Hi, everyone. My name is Benno Papari, and this is the Songwriters on Process podcast. Since 2010, I've interviewed over 300 songwriters about, well, their songwriting process. I don't care about favorite cities, tour stories, favorite foods, or anything like that. My goal has always been to treat songwriters the same way that we treat poets and more traditional prose writers. They are writers, plain and simple. In these interviews, we go deep into the specifics of the writing process. This is no, hey, do you start with lyrics of the music type of interview. Now, a little bit about me. I'm not a songwriter. In fact, I've never written a song in my life. I have a PhD in English language and literature, and I'm a former academic. So as a prose writer, I enjoy exploring how my process intersects with those of songwriters. This is an intelligent conversation about writing between two writers. And that, of course, means we talk a lot about books. The site features interviews across all genres, from metal to jazz, from country to that big category known as indie. You'll find a couple of A-list actors on the site and several members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well. Now, I select songwriters to interview uh, who fit into one of two categories. One, do I listen to them already? And two, if I don't, would they make for a compelling and intelligent interview? You can find these interviews across all podcast platforms, as well as at songwritersonpodcast.com. Do you have an idea for an interview or a comment about the site? Hit me up at ben at songwritersonprocess.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy. And today's episode is with Johnny Pierce of the Drums. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, a few quick notes about upcoming interviews. I've got two legends coming up. I mean, I don't toss around the word legend often, but I think we can agree these two next interviews I'm posting are with legends. So after Johnny's interview, uh, in a week or two, I'll be posting my interview with Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And then after that, Johnny Marr of the Smiths. I mean, come on now. They are legends, aren't they? We can agree on that. So check those out. Back to the drums and Johnny Pierce. Um the uh, drums have a new album out uh, called Johnny. It's on Anti Records. You know, as as Pierce will say, though, the drums are pretty much him. I mean, I think he says he gives a percentage. I think 90%, 95% of the music is his music. So, But it is a new drums album, technically. It's called Johnny. Um, and as he told me, this process involved, quote, a little less practice, a little more mess. And for years, Pierce said that he didn't enjoy the songwriting process. He said, I never loved songwriting. I was never the type of songwriter who couldn't wait to get into the studio. And he talks, mentions that a few times, just how he didn't enjoy the process. There was so much pressure on it. It was always stressful. It was literally for survival. It was, if I don't write songs, uh, I can't put food on the table. So there was that practical element of the songwriting. Um, but now he's much more flexible, much more open with it. And that's where the mess comes in, um, being not being as rigid and just trying to enjoy the process a lot more. Uh, and that involves, as you'll hear, I, it's a great description because I wish you could see this because, you know, I do these over Zoom and you can't see the visual, obviously, but he kind of did it for me when we were talking. Um, he goes into the corner of the room where two walls meet and he starts singing. And as he's singing, he slithers down the wall and uh, I'm not sure how he arrived at doing that, but it's a great story. So make sure you check that out. Um, and I love this interview. I'm a big fan of the drums. This was great. But I enjoyed hearing him talk about the evolution of the process going from, from um, you know, less practice, a little more mess, a little, little more spontaneity. 
And I think he's better for it, or he says he's better for it. So with that, enjoy my interview with Johnny Pierce of the Drums. Listen, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I always start by, you know, I'd like to know if writing in any fashion is an everyday thing for you or just kind of when the mood strikes. I mean, I, I when I read interviews with prose writers, to them, it's pretty simple. You write every day, no matter how bad it is. But songwriters, I think, often are a little different about that. They sometimes tell me, yeah, only when the mood strikes. So where do you fall into that category? Uh, well, you've, I mean, you've, you've asked me this question at a pretty interesting time for me to be answering it. Um, because I, for so long, had a process, um, which was one that I would describe as efficient, um, hard, uh, uh, maybe um, a bit punishing <laughs> for myself. Um, you know, I, it, it was like when I started recording for the drums and I, and I, and I write and record, you know, 95% of anything you've ever heard from the drums. So it's yeah. in a way it's like a solo project. Um, and then I teach my players how to play, how to play the parts and, and they show up and we look like a band sometimes. Um, when I first started writing, uh, the very first EP for the drums. I didn't know I was writing an EP for the drums. I was just writing. I, I, I left upstate New York, or I left New York City, I'm sorry. That's where I was living at the time, working retail. And I moved down to the middle of nowhere in Florida and had no money. My rent was $150 a month. I was living in a field. The only thing around was a 7-Eleven across the street. Like you had to go across the highway to get to it. And um, broke as a joke with um, one weird reverb machine that I stole from my father's church and um, like some spring reverb machine that I just held onto for years. Um, an MS-10 synthesizer um, and, a, and a beat up guitar. I can't even tell you the brand. I, I, I wasn't really a guitar guy at the time. Um, and I sat there on this shitty carpeted floor and used some weird program called Cool Edit Pro. I don't even think they make it anymore. Um, and uh, and I recorded what are now some of um, I wrote and recorded some of the what what are considered the classic the drums like you know hits um, as you want to call it. Um, and I wrote them in hours, sometimes one song in an hour, you know, written and recorded and done. And that's the version that's still out in the world today. Right. Um, um, there was, it was, it was like these songs just were flowing in a way, um, that's kind of hard to describe. I mean, I guess I was in what people call the flow state without knowing it. I don't even think we talked, we had that term back yeah. then. Um, but I was, I was in something, some sort of trance or something. My body gave me these songs and I was kind of recording and, and writing as fast as I could. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. Um, the drums kind of overnight took off. It was really quite a whirlwind. And from, you know, so in my mind, working quick, working fast, um, 
kind of not leaving the bedroom where I was recording until I had a song. No breaks, you know. I remember I would pour a giant, uh, or I would make a giant pot of coffee, like all the way to the top, and I'd throw ice cubes in it, and I would just chug the whole thing. Uh, and I'm like, all right, it's time to write a song, you know. That's where this like punishing sort of stuff comes in, right? And it's like, I got to do it, I got to do it. And, um, and I did it. So for me, I learned, oh, you go in and you work really hard, almost in a manic state um, to write songs. And I did that for a long time, um, kind of all the way up until uh, Brutalism, which is my last album, um, where I started the process of slowing down a little bit. Um, but, you know, up until very recently, songwriting for me was was not exactly, if I look back, I don't think it was a happy process. I don't think I was feeling joy in any of it. And there was this pressure for me to deliver. Um, part of that was, you know, I grew up very, very poor. And um, part of that was just to survive, literally to pay my bills, to keep the lights on, right? And um, so I just learned, go hard, you go hard, you go hard. Um, you write a whole album in three months or you write a whole EP in two weeks. You know, it was like these kind of ideas. And it, it felt good when I could pull that off and people also liked it. You know, of course, that's like, whoa, this is the winning combination for me. But what I sort of discounted or ignored is sort of the suffering within all of that for myself. Yeah. You know, how hard that was on my body how much pressure and stress and anxiety was like amidst all of that and in a way i think i took that as you know i wore it as a badge of honor like i'm you know i've always loved like punk and underground and and it kind of made me feel like yeah i go hard i'm i'm, I'm metal man i'm punk like you know and uh you know i'm writing these swirly indie pop gems but it it had the spirit of like, yeah, I go hard. I'm not sitting around and taking my time and being relaxed. And I don't need to take care of myself, you know? And yeah. so as you ask this question, I am in the middle of something very different. I feel like this album is coming out. It's called Johnny. It's coming out in uh, October. I feel it's my best work. And I haven't said that about every album I've made, I promise. Um, to me, when I listen to this album, I, I, I really see my soul, like who I am. It's almost like looking in a mirror or listening, yeah. listening to a mirror, you know? Um, it's, I see myself just reflected back at me, um, all the parts of myself. And I've, I, I'm not able to say that about my records in the past, maybe a song here or there where I've really connected with my heart. Um, but what has been the most powerful tool in my songwriting process in this chapter of my life is gentleness towards myself, patience with myself, letting time like work its magic. You know, there's days where I would just record a baseline or half of a baseline and go listen to my body and go, oh, you know what? 
I think that's enough for now. Hmm. And not record something for another week or two weeks or a month and then come back. I kind of view it as like, I've been given this big block of marble and I have this tiny little hammer and chisel and I just go and I chisel a little bit. And so it's a very different approach. And I can say that for me, taking it from like an everyday got to do this um, experience to something that has breath and, and therefore life and I can be in it. Um, and I kind of wait till I know I can be in it to do it. It just makes the whole process a longer. Yes. But the riches of fulfillment are just like overflowing. So it's a, it's been very healing and, um, peaceful in a way, you know, um, yeah. but but like, I'm also a realist. I mean, I'm also at a, a, a stage in my life where I have the luxury to be able to take my time, you know, and, you know, 99 out of a hundred um, peers of mine are contemporaries. A lot of them were like born into wealth, right? Let's just be honest. Making music has been, and writing has been kind of an additive experience to a very secure, safe uh-huh. um, a life experience, you know, and they get, they have the time and space to kind of go at it how they want and what feels nice. And um, I'm generalizing a little bit, but overall it's what I see and it's what I experience. Um, And so I think like pulling myself out of a place of, of strict survival and, and teaching myself that I don't have to like fight so hard and I can just be more present in the songwriting. Um, it's really just revolutionized how I write and what I say, because I'm giving myself time to like, for a message to sort of appear, you know, and then I can go into that. So. Okay. So I have a couple of follow-ups. One is I want to get to something you said And that was, and this is going to sound very silly, but the practical element of, you said, writing on the floor. And I can't tell you how many songwriters. So the story I always tell is I interviewed Britt Daniel of Spoon a couple of years ago, and he said that he started writing on the floor because he couldn't afford a couch. But now he still writes on the floor. He can clearly afford a couch now, but he still loves what the floor. And I've, I've, other songwriters have told me that, and we can't quite pin it down if it's something other than I just can't afford a couch or if there's something very elemental about writing on the floor. I don't know, but you, you said something that so many others have told me. So I I don't know if that means anything, but it's interesting. That is interesting. It reminds me of, um, I think it was Stevie Nicks who, when she uh, wrote Gypsy, uh, I think that's the name of the song, Gypsy. Yeah. And she went, you know, they were in the the spoils of, of being very successful. And, um, she went back to a small apartment. I might get this a little wrong, but put a mattress on the floor that sort of was her actual apartment when she was broke or, or resembled something like that and slept on this shitty mattress on the floor. And that's where she started to write these songs and, um, was able to like really deliver, you know? And yeah, so I think, I don't know. Like when I am, I'll give you an example of it's kind of related when I'm trying to write lyrics from my gut. I always, I always try to write from the gut, not even from like the heart, but like out of the gut. Um, 
if I'm ever struggling, sometimes I position myself. I find the corner of a room and I hold my microphone and I actually let go of my balance and I lean into the corner and I let myself slowly, sl- I, I hit record, the song is playing, and I let myself slowly slide down the wall. And there's something about like that letting go of your balance and your control and letting your body sort of give you something. Um, some of my best lyrics or the, the, the lyrics that make me cry when I listen back to them, it's like, yeah, it's like a physical shift um, and, and an unconventional one to, to, um, to birth something um, maybe that couldn't have been accessed otherwise. Okay, but how did you, I can't imagine you just said, oh, I'm going to go stand in the corner and then let myself slide down. I mean, how did you even discover that? Oh, God. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about, you know, I complain a lot in my lyrics and I whine a lot, you know, I'm like frustrated with the world all the time, frustrated in general. And maybe it's like a little kid, you know, singing from your child's heart. It's like, it's like almost like throwing a tantrum, right? Just kind of like, and when you whine, you're just, you you can almost imagine a a child kind of falling down a wall, uh, sliding down slowly, like throwing a tantrum. And I think it's like, that's a way for me to access my my child's heart, which is what I write a lot from, you know. But I don't know when the first time I did that, but it just happened, you know. Yeah. But I'm a big believer in the body. Like, I'm a big believer in the, the body is like where the lyrics come from. It's where the melodies come from. Who are we if we're not our body? So I try to play around with that a lot, you know. Um that's amazing. So the other thing I was going to ask you was there's got to be times now when you, it's got to take restraint to be restrained. Like you probably feel like I have so much to say, but I have to stop. I mean, I imagine there's got to be times when you could just, if you could, you could have one of those marathon sessions and chug, you know, coffee, but you, but you say it, that's got to take tremendous discipline to stop, even though you know you could write for hours more, right? You know, songwriting has never been um i might have referenced this before but it's never been like thoroughly enjoyable for me Mm -hmm. it feels like going to work for me it does and there's a few moments here or there where i feel a rush of endorphins when i pull something off or when something just surprises me oh i can't believe the that this exists now this wasn't here and now it is and it's beautiful you know there's those moments but really, I feel like I'm like clocking into work. I wish it was more fabulous than this, but I have to be honest, you know, uh, I'm clocking into work and I'm sitting down and I'm trying to soften, you know, like let my joints kind of fall and like soften my body and like get into a space. Um, and I'm always excited to stop. <laughs> like I, I clock in and I clock out and, um, and I clock out with, with glee. Um, and I'm hoping that that one day changes for me. You know, I've never been that, I've never been that writer who just can't wait to get in the studio. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, my, how for so many years, my, my, my writing was connected to my survival 
And so I started to equate it with almost like something that's stressful, right? Yeah. And um, I'm just now, that's just now starting to shift for me where I wonder, it's a big question mark for me in the future. Like, will I, will I start to just um, be more excited? But I'm also, I'm almost 42 now, you know, I'm at this age where I've been doing this one thing for so long. I'm really excited to like expand my life. You know, I want to try, I want to hike mountains and I want to play with my dog and I want to fall in love. And I, you know, there's all these things that I want to do. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever become that regimented studious, um, you know, poet guy. Um, although last night I was here at the lake, looking out at the lake, <clears throat> I was listening to Nina Simone's uh, cover of Where Does the Time Go? It's a live cover. If you haven't heard it, it'll make you cry. It's stunning. It's the best thing I've heard in years. I just keep playing it on repeat. And I'm sitting there on my house rests on the edge of a cliff looking out on a lake. And I just, uh, I grab my phone and in kind of one breath, I just wrote an entire songs worth of lyrics. And this is one of these rare things. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot for me. Um, and uh, I, I just started crying too. Like there was just something that I was like, Ooh, that's kind of nice. And that feels connected to this new way of writing. Like I wasn't, I wasn't clocking in. Hmm. It just was there, you know? So I'm, I'm really big on less practice and a little more mess. Like I, I want a little more mess. I want a, a little less uh, rigidness and a little more softness and slipperiness and kind of just, you know, sniffing around, seeing what's up. Um, that's become more of my process. I don't even know if you can call that a process, but it's, it's, it's kind of vague and it's almost a mystery to me, you know, but it's about just being in it, being in whatever is happening and just letting that sort of, sort of lead you. Um, but I think it also takes being connected to your heart um, and connected to your body. So that's been a huge focus for me is just going inward, going inward. And then the songs, you know, paying attention to a lot of what's in here. And then the songs just sort of give themselves to me. And it feels like a gift. It feels like I'm getting away with murder, to be honest, you know? Um, but it's, it, it wouldn't happen if I didn't give it time and space, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely. And I, I want to ask, cause I see her holding a pen and, yeah. and, and die. I have, I, um, I love hearing from songwriters about whether when it comes to writing lyrics, they prefer, you know, pen and paper. And I just had a great interview. Oh, with yeah. Jerry, I just had a great interview with Jerry Harrison of the talking heads a couple of weeks ago. And he said, he loves, he, I loved what he said. He, said he loves, he uses a felt tip pen because he loves the scraping feeling that the pen has on the paper and he yeah. can't write with a ballpoint apps. So it's got to be felt <laughs> the scraping. And I said, that's amazing. So <laughs> I'm curious, pen and paper, computer, phone, does it matter? Well, I actually, Let's see if it's right here. Well, I have a pen um, that I love and it's actually, it has a leather case for it. And I, it's like the only pen I don't lose. I am paper and pen all the way. I have, you know, 
notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of scribbled lyrics. And so this pen comes in this yellow leather case. It's, it's divine. Uh, it's called Baron fig. Do you know these pens? I don't. I think they're like a million dollars each. (laughs) (laughs) And they were right. Like a million bucks. Um, it feels so good. It, It feels like whatever you're writing is very important, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, maybe a little fake it till you make it there. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I can't really do the lyrics digitally. Um, and maybe that's my age, you know, I, 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 I have a feeling Gen Zers don't really need to grab, um, their journal or their notebook, but maybe I'm wrong there. Yeah. No, it, there's no, there's absolutely no, you can't generalize because there are some that go back, want to be very retro and then will use pen and paper. Um, but the okay. devotion even to like the color of paper, the type of paper, like, or maybe like some it's lined versus unlined. Some people like the messiness of the unlined because it allows them to be more flexible with, you know, it makes it look almost like a drawing. Um well, I'm really um, irresponsible from an um, eco-friendly, um, you know, vantage point. I I blow through notebooks like you would not believe. It's ridiculous. I, for some reason, need to write really big. So I'm just flying through the pages, but there's barely anything on each page. Whoa. Why is that? Why is that? I don't know. Because I'm dramatic and I'm wild and, you know, like I, 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 I want a juicy sort of life. And, and I think when I'm writing, I just can't get so tedious something. And, you know, I, when I, if I get a little analytic about it, um, I grew up in a pretty um, dark place for a child to grow up. Both my yeah. parents were religious zealots and um, kind of ran a community in upstate New York that was quite harmful to a lot of people, including me. And I would see my father writing and he writes everything in capital letters, um, in neat lines, every, every letter, the exact same size. Wonder if how I approach writing with a pen. Um, I wonder if, uh, that's, you know, my response to all of that. I'm just having this thought now for the first time. I know, you know, I get analytical about everything. So I'm sitting there going, huh, I wonder if I'm scribbling all over and being wild on these pages. It's just a, a fuck you or a rebellion to, to um, all the rules and the boundaries and the, um, the bondage of, of that time in my life. Maybe it's just feels really good. It sets me free to be writing letters um, in a messy, sloppy, big, colorful, wild way, you know, it does feel good for me to do that. Like I'm always, um, enjoying that part of it, you know, do you go back? I'm sure you go back to those old notebooks. Sometimes do you go back there and mine them for ideas? If you feel like you're in a rut? Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm really about in my writing, I'm really about looking forward and I'm not much about, um, looking back um sometimes musically um if i when i'm recording i'll i'll lean on what i've done in the past to sort of influence what i do in the future somewhat um but yeah i'm also pretty hard on myself when it comes to um my lyrics um once they're out in the world i'm kind of 
I'm kind of hard on myself um, when I, when I listen to them. You know, when I'm writing them, I'm thinking, oh, these are these are the best lyrics I've ever written. Um, and then I put them in the world, and I feel like I've kind of outgrown them. Quickly. Mm. And um, it's not that I turn on them, but I'm I'm ready to to move forward. But the hope is that I'll be able to look back at those one day and feel a lot of love and tenderness about those because they're worth loving, you know, like they came from me. And, um, so I'm, I'm getting, that's part of the work in progress, you know, Yeah, just like not, uh, abandoning my past and the, the, what I've written in the past, but letting it just be what it is and, and letting it be beautiful in my mind. Um, I, you know, the, the new album coming out right now, I'm just really proud of it. Um, so, I mean, those lyrics, they're, they're some of the most personal I've ever written. They kind of go for the jugular. They really do. Um, I showed, I had to listen to a test pressing of, uh, a vinyl test pressing the other day to approve the, the vinyl. Um, and I had a friend come by to listen to the album front to back and uh, he cried twice. Wow. So I, you know, I, that was a good sign for me. That felt really good. I've never had that experience before. Um, he's also someone who's pretty dramatic. So take it for what it is. But um. <laughs> so are you more likely, okay, so the more personal the lyrics are, are you less likely to revise them? Because they came from such a, you know, and so deep inside are you, are you, are you more hands-off when they're that personal? The great, that's a great question. I love that question. Um, yes. I think, I think when I, when I really am tapping into my heart, look, I want my work to be meaningful. Um, when I have written a, a, a lyric that quote unquote works, it kind of gives it the song a nice tidy bow on top. Um, I'm often regretting that decision. Um, when, when there could have been another option where maybe it doesn't quote unquote work, or maybe it doesn't rhyme, or maybe it isn't the most obvious, but it's fucking beautiful. It, you know, and it is from your soul. Um, those lyrics I tend to, you know, yeah, I think that's very astute of you. Yes. Um, I'm all about the vulnerability in the songwriting. Um, I'll never write a song about like the train in Tennessee, you know, like it's not, that's not ever going to be me. Um, yeah. Unless I'm dying on that train, you know. Right. About it. <laughs> um, so one thing I want to ask you about the pen, only because when you, the pen to me, you know, how fancy and nice that pen is, that seems like it makes the process less messy. I mean, in, in other words, like, some songwriters tell me that they don't, they will deliberately write on the back of like utility bills because they don't, they want to make the process as, as you know, as unprecious, if that's a word as possible, but you've got that fancy pen there. And I feel like if you want to make it really messy, you just pull out that 29 cent Bic pen. Right. But there's something <laughs> about that pen that's important to you that, right. I don't know. I, I find that in, you know, and you don't have the fancy notebooks necessarily, but you got the fancy pen. And that seems like that would make it, that's the opposite of mess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the part I didn't tell you about this pen is it carries some significance, but it was given to be, so I've, I've been adopted in my life, I'm legally adopted into a new family. And this is given to me by 
my loving father. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's important. I mean, and that's right. I, I mean, not lose it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, it's, um, I think we all have those things, those, you know, those parts in our process that, you know, for whatever reason we can't explain. Um, I mean, I've got to share. I love to write in. I know that if I'm feeling in a rut, like, for example, like I write in this chair, but I revise in that chair behind me. Uh, uh, but, you know, I'm not saying that's where all the revision, oh, that's the, where the stuff happens. But it's like, I try to separate like work writing from play, you know, from, from other types of writing. Um, right. And whether it's confidence, right? We all have to, I mean, you could read, read all these articles with authors and songwriters and who need to have that, wear that hat or have that, you know, certain pen or certain things with him to write. It's superstition or it's just confidence. I don't care what it is, but absolutely you feel like it's, a, if you're play sports, it's that lucky jersey, right? Same thing with a pen. It's your, it's your lucky jersey, right? Well, and, and, and beyond the pen, I mean, I'm yeah, along with what you're saying. I mean, I'm up here at, in this little cabin um, where I spent all of 2020, right? The pandemic happened. I shot up to upstate New York, thought I'd be up here for a week or two after it all kind of settled down. That was not the case. I stayed for a year, a year and two months. I was um, in full isolation for uh, 95% of that time, um, raising a little puppy. And um, this place became sort of a womb for me. It became, it transformed from a little getaway, a cute little cabin to a place of deep nurturing, safety, security. And, um, it, you know, and I wasn't running around and touring. I wasn't in and out of studios. I, I was just here and, and it was the first time in my whole life, in my whole adult life, for sure, including my teenage years, actually, where I just stopped everything. I stopped everything. Um, and I was just here and I got familiar with the walls and the doors and the ceiling and um, the knots in the floor and the deck outside and the trees. I have these three trees outside. I call them the three sisters and I've named them all. And they feel like they're looking down on me and protecting me. So this place, when I, when I come here now, my heart instantly softens and I feel like I could write at any time. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so this is now, I wasn't looking for this to be my writer's studio, but it, it has become that. And it's kind of like how you describe, you, you have these spaces, whether it's the chair that you're sitting in, the pen kind of influences something about your writing process. Um, but for me, being in this space, like, I don't think I would go to a, um, I wouldn't go to like electric ladyland to write lyrics, you know, like that to me doesn't really work. Um, if anything, my heart kind of hardens in those spaces feels like a little too close to industry. Um, so I, I like the idea of coming up here and, and, you know, when I leave this space and I've written some songs, I always make sure to, you know, touch the door and touch the, you know, I just kind of think, the different parts of the house and so it's a it's a it's a beautiful experience writing lyrics here and it's so easy to do because it it's become such a, a haven for me you know as as a songwriter 
And I'm I'm with you. My I agree with you 100. My fear for me is that because I'm so, you know, because those I, I'm worried that that makes me unable to write in other places. And it's like <laughs> like <laughs> oh, you know, I'm I'm not in that chair, or you know, I'm someplace else. So it's not going to happen. I'm not even going to try. That's my fear. Is that I'm so is that you become wedded to those rituals so much that you feel like well, I'd like to write, but I don't write well in this place. So I'm not going to try. Right. Um, yeah, I've kind of made peace with that, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe it is in the cards for me that I write my best lyrics at this little cabin in upstate. And maybe that's okay. You know, I think we're as writers, we're all on, everything is on a spectrum. There are people I've, I've seen them in LA, um, you know, in these songwriting rooms, um, who can seem to be able to write lyrics anywhere. Are their lyrics any good? That's to be determined. But they seem to be able to write and they don't bat an eye. And for someone such as me, and I'll just speak for myself, I'm a sensitive guy. I'm a sensitive, mushy, ushy, gushy guy. I always will be. And I'm sensitive to the space around me. And so it's kind of um, rather than spending my whole life trying to fight that, some people might want to, and that's great for them. It's their journey. For me, I like that I need to come up to this sweet little spot and kind of get away from the world um, and and just be on my own and experience some loneliness. Loneliness is really good for my songwriting. I, when I'm feeling really lonely, that's, you know, there's a difference between solitude and loneliness. Um, but, and I can be up here and just feel solitude. And then I can get up here and it starts to get a little lonely. And I'm like, okay, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking, you know, and I'm able to, I'm able to write. So when there's people around, it also really inhibits as someone who's sensitive, socially awkward, sometimes kind of a, um, I'm starting to come out of the closet as, as an introvert, you know, um, or, or, or mostly introvert. Um, It's really good for me to get away, to hide away. Um, I'm not hiding away in that sort of like romanticized, poeticized, like, you know, blowing through songs and ne- not shaving for two weeks and s- you smell like shit and you become sort of this like, right. animal, like crazy. I'm not like that at all. I take a shower every day. I, I cook, I kind of do the, you know, and then songwriting is just like a part of the day. Um, I also like, I, I worry about, I worry about, um, people who have to write every single day. I worry about, you know, like we've all, we all like see these, like, or we hear these stories about these painters, like who are in their studio for 16 hours a day, every single day. And I'm always thinking, I wonder what they're hiding from. (laughs) What is this about? You know, like this very narrow version of life. It's you're making beautiful work. You might even be highly successful, but I wonder if they just pulled back a little and allowed the the wind to blow in their lives a little bit more, um, if the work they make could, could even benefit from that, you know? Yeah. So I try to not get too wormholy about, about my process. I like a lot of stuff in between. It's, it's vital for me to be able to write something meaningful for myself. Um, so Um, I'm going to read you a couple of quotes I've got from authors that I think apply to songwriting. And I just had an interview recently and a songwriter told me that, um, they don't trust anything that comes too quick. 
Uh, and and <laughs> so, and I'm going to read, this is a quote by H.L. Mencken, and I want to get your thoughts on this because it relates right. to that. He said, the value of writing seems to be an inversely, is inversely proportional to the ease of writing. Whatever flows freely and bubblingly turns out to be sorry stuff a week later. Um, so I'll repeat that. The value of writing seems to be inversely proportional to the ease of writing. Whatever flows freely and bubblingly turns out to be sorry stuff a week later. I know we touched on that a little bit, but that idea that, oh man, this is too easy. Like I, I shouldn't trust this. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that quote feels a little rigid to me and yeah. a little generalized. Right. I mean, um, some of my best work just bubbled up and was there. And certainly the songs that made me the most money, yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, like, they were quick. I mean, they just came out and that was it. I'm not saying they're um, going to win a Pulitzer prize or anything like that, but um, you know, I, I, I just, I feel like we're all, if that, if he was saying, you know, uh, this is an I statement, this is how I feel about my work. Yeah. Um, might be able to say, oh, yeah, okay, that, that's that's your experience. Um, for the most part, for me, I can write rather quickly. Um, and songs that just kind of flow out, a lot of times, they for me, they just need some minor tweaks. Um, tweaks wording-wise, or how do you tweak them? Is it amazing? Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of, uh, I'll listen to the music, and, and if something doesn't quite fit, I might mess around with some wording or where it's placed or shorten something or replace a word. Um, but um, a, a lot of my lyric writing, actually, I never even put pen to paper. It is me with a microphone kind of being in my body, letting things just kind of come up, come out. And a lot of my lyric writing actually starts just phonetically. It's gibberish, you know, there's just, you know, and it's like my soul knows what it wants to say and it has to like line up with get in touch with my brain. And that's like, Oh, they make the connection. It's like, yes, obviously. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's okay to take a really long time writing a song. I think it's okay to take no time at all writing a song. If it's beautiful and it's true, then it's good. You know? Yeah. Do you get uh, do you get a lot of ideas? Agatha Christie once said that the best time to write a book is when you're doing the dishes, but I interpret that as the <laughs> I best, can agree with that. But I, I I interpret that as the best ideas come to us when we're engaging in activities that require no conscious thoughts. So I hear this from songwriters a lot. You know, repetitive activities, whether it's vacuuming, gardening, walking. When your brain when your brain can turn off, that's when the ideas bubble up best lyrics i've ever written i've been on a treadmill i've been on a walk i've been running i've been on a bicycle they all include forward motion mm -hmm. i think there's something about the blood moving in your body up up to your brain like exercise i think you're sharper and things that have just kind of been resting ideas that have been resting and percolating sort of like are birthed in in that moment um Absolutely. When I'm stumped, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot all about that. When I'm a little stumped, I jump on my bicycle and I ride up to the George Washington bridge and back. And by the time I'm back, I've written a whole song in my head and I can sing it and rehearse it. Like I, I can do it all. And then I'll just go and like record it really quick, you know, but yeah, forward momentum. What is that about? There must be 
There must be studies about this. Right? Okay, so I, I'll bring this up. I tell the story in any in, in any inter, every interview because I've written about this in the Washington Post. So oh, amazing, because um, I'm a big. I'm runner. in luck. Yeah, yeah you're. I'll, I'll send you the link to the article, but there's a very clear. So I'm a big runner too. So, and you're doing all this stuff. People can't see this. You're doing all this stuff that's absolutely brain. So here's there's actually a very clear connection. Um, there's a chemical in the brain called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, that gets secreted through increased blood flow, which is exercise. So the studies have all shown this. So they put people on treadmills for 20 minutes at 60% max heart rate, which is not much more than a moderate walk. And after mm -hmm. that 20 minutes, give them a battery of tests that uh, measure executive function in a higher order thinking. And those people always score higher than people who didn't exercise. For about yeah. 90 minutes post-exercise, that benefit lasts. So this is, I mean, apps irrefutable in the lab. So here's the here, here are the parameters. 30 minutes at 60% heart rate. 60% is not much more, like I said, than a moderate walk. So the good news is it's not dose responsive. So 60 minutes isn't twice as good as 30 minutes. And 90% isn't better than 60%. But ideally, it has to be an exercise that requires no... Uh, as middle, as little brain power as possible. So if you're on a treadmill, that's not quite as effective because there's a balance issue involved in being on a treadmill. Uh, walking in an urban environment, the effect is almost completely wiped out because you're trying not to be hit by a car. Right. Um, and anything, if you're reading a book, so it ideally needs to be something that requires no forethought So um, or no thought. So uh, you're 100%. I mean, studies, and again, it's fascinating stuff. And I absolutely use that as a part of my process. And I, I don't go run two hours a day, but what I'll do is I'll go like when I know that I'm going to be lagging. But when you say those things, there's a, there's a, a there's a, a measurable scientific reason for that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I've always had a hunch that there was, I don't know why I haven't looked into it either. Cause I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'll send you the article. Uh, it's, oh, uh, it's about 90 minutes post-exercise. Um, when, and after that, it kind of trails off, but there's the evidence is, I mean, it's, it's been proven across all ages. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I mean, authors use it. There's a, you know, there's a great book called the friendship by Adam Sisman, which is about the friendship between the, uh, romantic poets Wordsworth and Coleridge. And they estimate Wordsworth walked a hundred thousand miles in his life. Uh, which comes out to like some absurd number. Um, but he composed all of his poems on walks. Um, uh, and he wouldn't come back until he was finished with it. So he was able to have this amazing memory where he could do it in his mind. So, I mean, I could go uh, on and on about the benefits, but there's absolutely like, when you say that you're going to rut, you go for a walk and you come or go for a bike ride, you come back. That's absolutely happening. That's absolutely happening. I mean, it sounds like it's the, it's it's almost like the opening up of the subconscious. It's like somehow the subconscious and the conscious are connecting and the conscious is kind of pulling out what's been kind of stirring in the subconscious. I think there's a reason that when people have kind of an awkward talk to have or something like, hey, let's take a walk. You know? <laughs> like, right, right, right. They're able right. to, you know, people yeah. want to chat and they go for a walk together, you know, yeah. like and the conversation can be really vivid and full and the flow is there, you know. Yep. It's Person. the evidence is irrefutable. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm nervous to uh if I'm nervous to like sit and talk with someone, which I am often, 
um, I'll just say, why don't we go for a hike? And then we're blabbing the whole time. We're blabbing yeah. the whole time. It's yeah. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question. Uh, yeah. How much do you get, how much does do other types of art influence you as a songwriter specifically? Do you like to read? Uh, who do you like to read other art forms, things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, right now I'm reading books that have nothing to do with songwriting. I'm no, they big, shouldn't. I'm a big science guy. <laughs> so I'm reading, I love reading about the brain. I've been taking courses up at um, Hobart and William Smith psych courses. I'm really interested in like how the mind works and <clears throat> I'm reading some parenting books also. Um, so, but I want to say too much about that right now. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I am a big, um, I'm a big proponent, big fan of uh, kind of pulling away from something that might um, easily influence you. Um, I've, I think it's because I, I, you know, I grew up in this, I mean, everything goes back to childhood, doesn't it? It does, it, I know. It save you a lot of money on therapy. It's all the parents. Um, but, you know, I grew up with my birth father on a stage, a congregation kind of worshiping him in a way. And it was a, a yucky experience. And so I think I have this aversion to being influenced like starting from back then to, you know, to, to seeing some, someone or something as, um, I don't know, to, to kind of be in a state of awe about something. I'm kind of, I'm always like nervous to let myself be. So for a lot of my career, um, I've tried to, if I, if I've noticed I'm being influenced by something, I, I kind of try to push the other way. I've always felt like, um, I want to be on my own little raft as a songwriter, just with like a little paddle. And I'm just kind of paddling down the river and I'm not jumping on any big boat where there's a lot of people. Um, I'm kind of doing my own little thing. I'm admiring from a distance and I'm appreciating when it comes, like I said before, when it comes to writing my own music, I, I really, I lean on my own, my own work, which of course is influenced by by artists but i i can't name them you know i i listened to a lot of um black gospel when i was a kid my my, my birth father loved gospel and uh, and i still love it it's in my bones like i just love it um and and then in my teenage years i got really into new order and joy division and the smiths and um orange juice bands like that um and I also like really got into electronic music and synth pop and synth based experimental music and all these like different genres that kind of don't have a lot to do with each other are, are just like in me. And I try to just let what's in me and what has seeped in unknowingly um, just kind of be there and present itself. So a lot of times I feel like as a writer, I'm just a vessel for my soul, you know, and I just let that come out. Um, I don't get brainy with it. I don't get, 
you know, I don't make notes of like what I want this new album to sound like or who I want it to sound like. Um, so I've always stayed away from scenes. I try not to be too influenced. I think my body, I keep going back to my body. It's just a yeah. huge part of my life, um, myself. Um, and, 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 and I, you know, I've learned that there's, through my therapist, I've learned there's different types of narcissism. There's, there's healthy narcissism. Um, so I say that from a healthy uh, narcissistic space that I look towards myself um, f- for influence, knowing that I am highly influenced by every experience I have, every song I've ever heard, you know, it's all in there. So I don't really need to go looking. And that's it for today's episode. Check back in a couple of weeks for a new episode. I do try to post these every two weeks, uh, sometimes with more frequency, sometimes with less. A lot of that depends on my work commitments, my family commitments, and also when artists can talk to me. It's not easy to get these interviews. Speaking of interviews, did you know this is a relatively new podcast? Uh, I only started podcasting about a year ago. Uh, well, depending on when you're listening to this, I should say 2022, but from 2010 to 2022, uh, all of my interviews were transcribed and they are all there archived for you to go down that deep rabbit hole. So if you go to songwritersonpodcast.com and click on from the archives in the top, at the top, you'll see all of those transcribed interviews. I think there's over 200 uh, so go down that rabbit hole. There's a lot of great interviews there, um, but uh, you'll find all of those there. Again, the podcast itself is relatively recent, so there's a lot, a lot of reading you need to be catching up on with those old interviews. Speaking of interviews, uh, if you have suggestions for interview subjects or want to comment or complain, anything like that, email me at ben at songwritersonprocess.com. That's ben at, ben at songwritersonprocess.com. And that's it for today's episode. This wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening and have a good one. 